I really wanted to tell the story from from what's well, the man's point of view, of course, but to actually really show what happens to that that baby girl, you know, who she was a real person and this actually happened to her. So I didn't want to sugarcoat it. I didn't want to like take away any of the graphic aspects of it. I just wanted to like blast it out there to, to get the word out that this is still happening. Many of you in the pro-life world might have seen a young lady, a very attractive young lady with very pink hair, or at least she puts on a wig with very pink hair, and she's always talking about abortion. She's talking on the side of those favoring abortion, but doing so in a way that tells you she's really pro-life. She's the founder and director of a group called Choice for Two. It looks like choice42.com, but they're a great group, and they've done amazing work. They put out a new video called The Procedure. It's a short film. It stars Kevin Sorbo. You've got to see this thing. It's incredible. But it's not got the numbers of views that it deserves. It deserves to be in the millions because when you see this, your jaw's going to drop. We've got Laura Klassen with us now. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Laura, thanks for joining us on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Laura, first of all, let me say, uh, you've done such superb work all of this time that you've been doing it now for years, basically presenting in the beginning what was just so lighthearted, but with such a serious message. Where in the world did you come up with the idea to do the pink-haired thing? We, our goal was to uh, make a viral video. And um, so I was looking online to see what kind of uh, videos were getting traction. And I noticed a lot of them were satire. And I love satire. So that's where the whole thing came from. And we just used arguments that the pro-abortion people were, you know, telling to us. And um, they just don't make sense, right? So I just wanted to follow through with uh, their train of thought and just to show what they're actually saying. And so the, the first one that really went viral was the magical birth canal. And then we made a bunch since then. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a look at a bunch of those. Human rights. You may think you've always had yours, but you would be wrong. So how did you get your human rights? From the magical birth canal, of course. Disclaimer. Birth canal is not the size of an actual birth canal. Just saying. Before the baby or fetus is born, it is not a human being. Clearly. But as it passes through the birth canal, something amazing happens that transforms it into a person with human rights. Observe. Not a person. Not a person. Not a person. Coming out the other end. A person! Human rights! Congratulations. You now have value. Can't say the same for this one. So what exactly happens in the birth canal that causes this magical transformation? No one knows. But popular scientific theories include fairies, aliens, or of course, a mini Big Bang. I think it's fairies. 
No human rights. Human rights. No human rights. Human rights. Makes sense. Thanks, magical birth canal. Science. Logic. Magic. Human rights. What if it's a C-section? I love people who have blue hair, but like after they're born though. No offense. I totally respect and value you as a human being now. But before you were born, it was a completely different story. Just saying, thanks to prenatal genetic testing, we can now off all the people who have blue hair before they ever see the light of day. That's compassion. I literally don't know what that word means. <laughs> you don't need to say anything. I don't have blue hair, which means I know what's best for people that do have blue hair, which is that they shouldn't be born. Sorry. If we stop all the people who have blue hair from being born, the world will be a little more perfect and a little less colorful. And isn't that what we all want? Can someone look up that word? What was it? Eugenics? Women can do anything unless you have a baby, in which case your life is over. And no, this isn't my baby. <laughs> I wouldn't be so foolish. I borrowed her as a prop to scare you away from making the worst mistake of your life. If this was your baby, your life would be all about her. No more yoga with the ladies. No more girls night out. No more me time at all, really. You'll spend your time changing diapers, feeding her, cuddling her, and receiving sloppy kisses. So gross. Your education? <laughs> yeah, not finishing that now. You cannot get a degree if you have a baby. It's physically impossible. Just saying. And not to mention your career. There are no doctors or lawyers or actresses who are moms. Hashtag fact. Unless you want to be a stay-at-home mom, which is only the lowest, most pathetic role in society. It's making me physically ill thinking about being a stay-at-home mom. Ladies, save yourselves. Think of yourselves. Don't have one of these. So not worth it. I mean, which would you rather? Honestly, totally a no-brainer. And not to mention pregnancy. Her bodies weren't built for that. Now, you've done something more recently, which is truly stunning. This film that you made, a short film, I understand you wrote it and directed it with Kevin Sorbo starring in it. Just amazing. Where did this come from? And what was the sort of story behind the story? There's an upcoming platform called Lure, lure.tv. And they approached me um, saying, would you create some content for it? So uh, that is where I even started thinking um, about a project this big, because like you've seen our little satire videos, um, we kind of did them on a dime, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Um, and so they suggested in a series of six animated shorts. And so our series is called Exposed. The first episode, The Procedure, um, I, I decided to do that as the first episode. It's a true story. And it's the story of an ultrasound technician uh, he messaged me through Facebook uh, about a year ago. 
yeah. And, uh, shared his story. And then I, you know, it was just so powerful. And I started talking with him a bit and then got permission from him to create a video out of it. So I, I wrote the script based off of his true testimony. Well, it's just so good. Let's take a look at it now. I had just arrived at work as the hospital's lead sonographer and was looking at the patient's schedule for the day when my boss told me to go immediately to the OR. The surgeon was requesting ultrasound guidance. That was all the information I was given. I had no idea what I was walking into. I wheeled the ultrasound machine into the OR. The patient was already sedated on the operating table. Plugging in the machine, I waited for instructions from the doctor. He barked at me to place the ultrasound probe on the patient's pelvis so he wouldn't perforate her uterus. Still confused about the procedure, I did as he asked and realized the woman was pregnant. She was in her second trimester, so I easily determined the gender of her baby, a little girl. Stunned, I watched the doctor thrust a catheter into the amniotic sac. The fetus dodged the catheter and tried to hide in the top of her mother's uterus to get away. In horror, I watched as he inserted a forceps clamp and grabbed her tiny leg. She writhed around in pain, trying to break free, but there was nowhere for her to go. Then the doctor pulled hard until her leg ripped away from her body. She recoiled and violently twisted around in pain and curled herself into a tight ball. But it was no use. The clamp grabbed her arm and she struggled to pull away. Her movements weakened now because she was dying. He pulled her arm off of her body. My vision blurred. My eyes filled with tears. The child again curled herself into a tight ball, but again the device grabbed her other leg and it was ripped from her body. By now her heartbeat had slowed significantly but she was still alive. The clamp grabbed her last limb and ripped it off. She wiggled and squirmed around, and then her heart finally stopped beating. I announced that there was no more cardiac activity. The nurse and scrub tech in the room gasped, realizing for the first time that this was happening to a fetus that was still alive. The remaining body parts, the head, and torso were removed. Placenta was removed and a final look with ultrasound revealed all products of conception were removed. I was told I could leave the room. Up until that moment, I had been frozen. I silently removed the ultrasound machine from the operating room, went directly to the locker room, and threw up. I quit my job at that hospital shortly after. I told my boss I would never again participate in that type of procedure. I was having nightmares and could not escape the memory of what I had witnessed. I would never again assist in the murder of a child. It was over 20 years ago, but it's just as vivid in my mind today. 
people have no idea we are murdering babies in this way. They think it isn't a person, that it's just a mass of tissue. I'm so sorry for what happened to this little girl. For what I did to her. I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'm so sorry. All right, that is super powerful. The and you got this as a testimony from the technician. That's just incredible. Um, the the descriptions I, we've heard it before, you know about uh, you know the silent scream and how babies in the womb recoil when the abortionist attempts to kill them. But this was so well documented. Well, it was so graphic in that the explanation, which I'm presuming you got from the technician himself, was so powerful. It just was stunning. Yeah, it's brutal. And I feel like I really wanted to tell the story from, from well, it's the man's point of view, of course, but to actually really show what happens to that, that baby girl, you know, who she was a real person and this actually happened to her. So I didn't want to sugarcoat it. I didn't want to, like take away any of the graphic aspects of it. I just wanted to like blast it out there to, to get the word out that this is still happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's so powerful. The, the beauty of his statement at the end, which is so heart wrenching, the, the apology to the little baby girl, so powerful brings me to another point. It is still controversial, even in the pro-life movement to be graphic, to show graphic images You've been doing this work for a long time. What's your experience with that? And what's your thoughts on it? Right. So, uh, yeah, Choice for Two, we started seven years ago. And at first, I was very in line with, with that thinking of we don't need to show the graphic. You know, we don't want to be viewed as crazy, offensive people. Um, but then as the years go on, and one of the things that our organization does is we actually talk one-on-one -on -one with women who have abortions booked and um, basically try and get them to have mercy on their on their babies and not to have them murdered. So um, once, you know, once you start doing that, you realize um, that you need to speak very truthfully to women and you need to show them what they're about to do to their child if that's what it takes for them to um, have a wake up call about what abortion is. So um, I've I've completely changed my my thinking on that and I'm fully in support of graphic images. I mean, this is a horrible thing we're dealing with. You can't, you can't make it into a nice little package. It's a terrible, awful thing. Wow. Wow. What, what was it that drew you into this fight? Um, you've, you've got beautiful videos out about how you yourself uh, conceived a child and brought the term over the nine months and, and just beautiful stuff you do with your videos. But what was the conviction behind what you're doing? Actually, it was a graphic image. Um, I saw a graphic image when I was a really little kid. I think I was like four. And that just stuck with me my whole life. And I always had this like nagging feeling, um, just very aware that there's a genocide going on in my country um, and people weren't really talking about it. So I was very motivated to really do something about it. And that's what led me down this path. So one of the things... I want to explain to all of our viewers is that you also do these beautiful video testimonies with women who have had abortions and whatnot. Explain that for us, if you will, please. Right. So um, 
Yeah, that's our not empowering series. And we just, you know, we again just want to show the truth to say that uh, abortion will damage you. Not only does it kill your child, but if you go through with the murder of your own child, that leaves you uh, with a very deep wound on your heart. And so I wanted to share, again, true stories and have uh, a couple women share their experiences just so that women who are considering abortion can see what it has done to other women. Let's have a look at a couple of those clips. The moment I found out I was pregnant was, uh, wow, extremely overwhelming. I have never been so scared in my entire life. I just felt sick to my stomach, like, what am I going to do? Um, and I felt really alone, and I was really scared of telling my family, and I felt ashamed to admit that I was pregnant. I'm only 22, and I have dreams and ambitions, and I really felt in that moment that all of that was gone. So I, I contacted uh, my local maternity home, and I got an interview to come in and see the home, see what it's about. I was angry. You know, someone who I didn't even know was telling me, um, you know, it's going to be okay, you could like have this child and I'm on the other end saying, no, like this wasn't what I wanted. This was not planned. This is my body and my choice. And I felt that because of the situation that I was in, um, the only option was for me um, to have an abortion. And that's what I was going to do. And I was, I'm, I, that was going to be my choice. Uh, I had booked my appointment and everything. I had it set and this woman kept saying, no, you're, Megan, your child has a purpose and a meaning and um, this baby has a life. It's not just your life, it's this child's life. And those words stuck with me. I woke up one day and I felt that what, what she said was right. This, this child has a purpose and a meaning and um, I'm pregnant for a reason, you know, and I didn't know what the future would hold with this baby, but I felt that I couldn't go forth with um, having an abortion and terminating my pregnancy and essentially killing this baby, that I wouldn't be able to come to terms with it afterwards. Uh, so I decided to choose life and keep my child because she's worth it, my, my baby is worth it, you know, and aside from um, what I'm going through or if my boyfriend's in the picture or not in the picture or whatever it may be that we're going to make it and I'm going to make it and this child's going to make it. My daughter, Serenity Grace, she has changed my life for the better. Um, she is literally the definition um, of her name. She has brought back that peace and the calmness into my life. And I would not be who I am today if I did not keep her. When I hold her and I look at her and I think about what could have been. And that I almost made the choice of not keeping her. Um, I just, I can't, I'm so thankful that 
she's here today and that I chose life. If you're facing an unplanned pregnancy, I think what's really important to understand is that your life is not over. So the dreams you had or the things you want to accomplish, you could still have and do, but it just may look different. And it's probably going to be more challenging, but it's worth it. Make a choice you can both live with. Choose life. So I had a really rough out upbringing. I had alcoholic parents, addicted to narcotics. Uh, my mother got into crack cocaine and same with my father, heroin and everything. So growing up, there was a very unsafe environment. There was a lot of uh, sexual uh, molestation growing up. By the time I was 16, I was told to drop out of high school to help support the family, and I did. And then by 18, I was kicked out of my home and homeless because I was no longer a paycheck because baby bonus was no longer being issued. By 19, I was in an abusive relationship that I endured for two whole years because I was completely convinced that I loved this person, probably because I had gr grown up in abuse, that it was so normal to me. He had placed me in a hospital because he had physically beaten me so badly. And I, I had gone through at least 19 apartments, park benches, cars, centers, shelters to shelter myself in by the time I was 21 and found myself exotic dancing to get away from that abusive relationship. And then at 22, I found myself pregnant. My life situation when I found out that I was pregnant was less than ideal. I was an alcoholic, I was addicted to prescription pills, I was a weekend cocaine addict, and I was just an all-around mess. And I was in a relationship and pregnant with someone's baby who I didn't see a future with. And in an instant, I realized that I'm going to have to be a single mother. And so that dream of having a two-parent household and a stable family and everything that I never had was instantly gone. So once I found out, I was contemplating abortion for about an hour, wrestling with this because I was like, I can't bear a child into my situation. But then it dawned on me, it doesn't matter if it's their child. This is also my child, and that's what really shifted things for me. So I decided to choose life, but I had no idea how I was going to do it. I had my neighbor come and give me a newsletter, and on the very bottom was Wynn's maternity home, and <laughs> I found out that as soon as I walked into the home and I chose life where negative choices used to follow me, now right ones were, and there was support and there was love and there was tools to, to grow up into the mother that, that I knew I could be. My daughter Azalea is a blessing and the reason for my turnaround and <laughs> She is the reason I wake up every morning. So what I would say to 
someone who is facing an unplanned pregnancy is that I would encourage life and that there are resources out there and no matter what your situation is and what you're going through, that you're not alone. Make a choice you can both live with. Choose life. My name is Louise. I am 24 years old. I am a mother to an angel and my angel was born out of rape. I was raped by somebody I knew, and five weeks later, I had missed my period, and that's when I knew I was pregnant. I decided to choose life because I wasn't going to let an innocent life pay for one man's intent to hurt me. She hasn't hurt me. She's provided me with healing and growth and new experiences that I never knew that could happen in my life. So she's not gonna pay for what one man's intentions were because her intent is just to enjoy her life. When people say abortion is needed in cases of rape, I feel that is very unfair. If your body has already started to create life, undoing the process seems very detrimental. I also knew in my heart that there's already a heart beating, there's already a life there, and for me to, to go and intentionally take away someone's chance at life, that, that wouldn't sit well with me for the rest of my life. My daughter is my angel. She brings me a lot of hope for the future to let me know that not every disaster has to bring traumatic pain to where you can't cope. It actually can bring about beauty if you look for the beauty in the disaster. So she's my beauty. I am so grateful I made the decision to have my daughter because she's brought me so much joy. Every day I wake up to a beautiful smile and had I not made that decision, I would have just been left with a disaster on my heart. Becoming a mother has changed me in ways I could never imagine. I feel like the most optimal version of myself. I, I feel more purpose to each day I live. It's just given me super strength, really. I've drawn a lot of strength internally that I didn't know was there before, so I'm very happy and I love being a mother. <laughs> what I would say to a woman who has just found out she was pregnant as a result of rape is that there's hope. There's hope beyond just healing from the traumatic experience you've been through and figuring out how you're gonna make it for what's to come. I would say don't give up because if you survived such a traumatic experience and you were gifted with a miracle, then clearly you have more potential than you could ever know. Make a choice you can both live with. Choose life. So finally, Laura, I wanted to talk to you about a series that I think for the church you call it, but it's um, for one you did that video which I think was stunning about how abortion is child sacrifice. We're gonna have a quick look at that. Child sacrifice, barbaric, evil, ancient, modern. There's nothing new under the sun. Throughout history, children have been sacrificed to a variety of deities in attempts to gain favor or blessings. 
Aztecs cut their children's hearts out to appease the gods of rain and war. Incas sacrificed their children to the sun god so their crops would flourish. Canaanites sacrificed their infants to Moloch for prosperity. Drums were played loudly to drown out the baby's screams. Child sacrifice never stopped, and we still don't hear their screams. There's nothing new under the sun. We sacrifice our children today, not for rain or war victories, but for freedom or convenience. We sacrifice to gain favor in the workplace, or for the blessings of money or fame. We sacrifice our babies on the altar of free sex. Child sacrifice is no longer a public event. It's done behind closed doors. Rather than a gory burning or bloody stabbing, it's become a neat, sterile, and clinical event. We don't throw our children into the fire or leave them to freeze to death. We starve our babies legs and crush their skulls. We call it choice. We call it empowerment. And our culture condones it. We celebrate it. We celebrate baby murder. We consider it vital to our existence. It's become a right. But nothing is different. There's nothing new under the sun. Innocent human beings are still being sacrificed for the selfish gains of those more powerful. Modern child sacrifice is thriving. We must end it. End abortion. But also, you have this letter to pastors, which I thought was really stunning. Lay that out for us, if you would, please. Sure. So, um, yeah, that is interesting because I feel like the Catholic Church, obviously, as you know, they've pretty much always been against abortion, um, and they're very vocal about it. Meanwhile, the evangelical church, you know, the Protestants, a lot of them will say, oh, yeah, they're, they're personally pro-life, but there's no um, kind of bold stance on it, really. So I wanted to encourage those people um, that this is an issue that everyone should be involved with and uh, just to kind of give them a wake-up call and that's where that letter came from uh, it's written by a pastor in texas and uh yeah people have been pretty offended by it um but it has <laughs> it has uh it has done its job because it is pricking people's consciences it has i mean so it starts off with imagine if there's a law allowing the killing of pastors and you tried to get people involved in this and nobody's showing up. How does that make you feel? And it's, ama it's amazing because it's like, okay, think about that for a second. And in that sort of typical Laura Glasson version is, oh, wait, <laughs> I thought that was great. And then, and what about the unborn babies? So um, really, really beautiful stuff, but very powerful and uh, challenging uh, pastors to take this seriously. The, the gravity of what's actually going on. Amazing work. Amazing work. Um, how can people learn more about Choice for Two and uh, about the projects you're involved with? 
So uh, they can go to our website, choice42.com, which as you mentioned, looks like 42, choice42.com. And then we have, you know, choice for two on all the different social media platforms. They can connect with us there and watch our stuff and share our stuff. That would be amazing. So finally, who are you looking to reach? You've actually, I think, broken the bubble to reaching some of the young people. Was that one of your goals? And what's your ultimate message to them? Yeah, we, we are trying to reach young people, of course. Um, for for one thing, they are um, a, a big group of the people that are having abortions. Um, and then also just to get them to realize that this slaughter is going on in our country. My message is that abortion is murder. Uh, we've tolerated it for far too long. Uh, people need to be bold. They need to stop caring about being controversial or being viewed as weird or, or you know, they need to be proud that they're anti-abortion and to stand up for these babies who don't have a voice. Amen to that. Laura Klassen, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for having me. God bless you and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi everyone, this is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this video. And to see more like this, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. So check out our links in the description to read more, sign up for our newsletter, and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all of the latest life, family, and culture news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.